It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. And welcome to the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino with you as Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by New York Lottery. Thanks so much for tuning in. Multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program, 201-939-4513. You could also chime in using hashtag Giants Chat. You could also interact directly with the two of us. I'm at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Giants W-F-A-N. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. We'll be hearing from head coach Joe Judge a little bit later on over the course of the program as he has his introductory presser to week 12 as the Giants are going to get set to head to Cincinnati to go up against the Bengals. So we'll certainly preview that matchup and we'll hear from the head coach as well as getting to your phone calls and your tweets along the way. Paul, all rested up, I'm assuming, from the bye. How's everything on your end? On to Cincinnati. (laughs) On to Cincinnati. Taking a page out of Bill Belichick's playbook, I see. Yes. You know what, Lance? Uh, the bye week was interesting because I- I've gotten to watch over the last week or-, or so the Giants' next four opponents. I got to see Cincinnati play Washington uh, this past weekend. And, of course, uh, last Thursday I got to see Seattle play Arizona. Uh, and uh, I got to see the Browns also play. So it's been it's been really cool uh, having an opportunity to to look at you know these teams and get a real up close and personal uh, opportunity uh, like I said to see them. So I have a real kind of flavor for what what we're looking at even before I start the the real weekly scout. So I'm really glad about that. Uh, although I know I know very little about Brandon Allen, other than uh, the fact that you know he played for Brett Bielema uh, at Arkansas for three years and now he is the new Bengals starting quarterback. Yeah, Mike Garofolo of NFL Network announcing this morning that the Bengals are going to start Brandon Allen as opposed to Ryan Finley. Allen was with the Broncos last season. He started three games. He went one and two, three touchdowns, two interceptions, and he completed about 46% of his passes. So numbers that don't jump off the page. There's no doubt about that. But this is a player that has familiarity, Paul, with Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, because he was the Rams OC for a year. Prior to that, he was the assistant wide receivers coach. So they were together for two years on the same roster. So it's understandable that they're going in that direction because of the fact that Ryan Finley, I just went over Allen's completion percentage, the issue with Finley, and he had experience with the Bengals last year because when they removed Andy Dalton from the equation and they started to explore other opportunities, Finley only completed 47% of his passes, and he was 3 of 10 when he replaced Joe Burrow on Sunday, the game that you were alluding to. They only had 17 total yards of offense once Burrow went down. So it's understandable if you're Cincinnati right now. Nobody's saying Brandon Allen's a pro bowler. Nobody's saying that he's an unbelievable upgrade, but I don't blame them for going in a different direction at this point. Well, when you look at the pro stats for both guys who have very limited NFL action, neither Allen nor Finley are going to do anything to impress you with their numbers. That's just a fact. But I do like the fact that the Giants' senior defensive assistant, and I mentioned Brett Bielema a moment ago, Again, you ha- you cannot discount the fact that he was the head coach at Arizona for the three years that Allen Arkansas, was a starter yeah. at, at, at Arkansas, and and you can't discount that. I, I mean, that was his guy, and that, sure. that's the guy who was riding the horse for him. 
he, he's got to know everything about him. You can be sure that he and Patrick Graham have already huddled this morning. And, I, look, I think this is a tremendous edge for the Giants. For those people who want to say, well, backup quarterbacks have usually done well against the Giants over the years, well, that's not against this coaching staff. This is a totally different level of coaching staff than what we have seen in recent years. These guys will totally be prepared, and especially considering Brett's history with this quarterback. Holy smokes. He's going to know what Allen's mother eats for breakfast thanks to those recruiting wars uh, that they probably went through to get him there. So, come on. I, this It's amazing how sometimes a backup quarterback will come in and there'll be somewhat of an air of mystery about him, and he'll be able to catch a team off guard because they really don't have the book on the kid. Well, in this case, the Giants have an encyclopedia on Mr. Allen. I, I think uh, I think the Bengals are going to lose out on that potential mystery advantage that they might have had had they played Finley. Well, the only thing that's different, of course, is he's playing in a much different scheme than he was when Bielema had him at Arkansas. But I agree now, Leopard with you. doesn't change his spots, though, Lance. Allen is Allen. You know, Brett knows the, the routes he wants to throw, the routes he doesn't like to throw, what his physical characteristics are, what his psychological makeup is. He knows everything there is to know about this guy. Well, the only thing I will say is, and once again, I'm not disputing anything that you brought up. It has been quite some time since he's been in college. I mean, a number of years has passed by. Quarterbacks do change. They develop a little. So we're well, talking about 2015 was the last time that Bielema was with him. It's now 2020. Okay, but look at this. Since he got to the NFL, he's had three appearances. It's not like he's had a lot of NFL experience to really change his spots. There's no doubt about it. He didn't get an opportunity until he came to the Broncos because when I was referencing with the Rams, he was their third-string quarterback. So he was providing depth, and he was in the film room. He doesn't have a whole lot of experience on the field. There's no doubt about it. He went up against Cleveland, Minnesota, and Buffalo. Those were the three games, weeks 9, 11, and 12 with Denver because the Broncos also had their fair share of injuries and issues that they had to deal with under center. And his best performance statistically was against the Minnesota Vikings when he was 17 of 39 and he threw for 240 yards. That was by far his most impressive individual game. See, I, I felt that his game against uh, uh, the Browns last year when he was 12 of 20 for 193 with two touchdowns and no picks, I, I considered that his best game. But I will say this. I did make a phone call this morning to a college scout who scouted him when he was at Arkansas. And he said to me, you want, you want the pluses because the, 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 you know, the, the negatives and the, uh, and the neutrals are many. You want the pluses? I said, yeah. What, what are his most dangerous attributes? What do the Giants really want to look for in terms of how he could threaten them on Sunday? And he said to me, the kid is tough. He's a bit undersized, but he is really, really tough. Don't dis discard the fact that he'll take wax back there. And number two, he's got quick feet, and, and he's going to be able to move around a little bit. There's no question about that. He's got some mobility to him. Other than that, there's nothing there that, that necessarily barks out at you that this is an NFL-quality quarterback. 
He ran 10 times over the course of those three starts, as you just hinted at, for 39 yards. So he does have the ability to extend plays as well as run. He's not going to shy away from that. They have Giovanni Bernard, of course, out of the backfield. Joe Mixon is on IR, so they don't have their number one running back as well. Samaj P. Ryan is the change of pace back with Giovanni Bernard. And the one thing I will say, while things are going to drastically change now that Joe Burrow isn't under center, there are a number of attractive wide receivers on that team. Oh, Paul, they've got a bunch. You can't dismiss that. Yeah. Oh, they're good, man. Tyler Boyd is one of the best slot guys in the league. 100%. T. Higgins is having a very nice rookie year, and they still have A.J. Green, who may not be putting up the numbers that we've used to seeing in previous years, but he actually had a touchdown last week, and he's still a threat and still a massive target. So, you know, you can't sleep on this Bengals team that just because they got a different quarterback, all of a sudden everybody's going to forget how to play football. But to your point, they're not nearly as dangerous. This is still a game, though, Paul, that the Giants need to carry over what happened in the previous two games before the bye, which is the emphasis of playing clean football, especially in a game like this. The last thing you want to do is shorten the field for a team that's got a brand-new quarterback and somebody that only has three starts under his belt. So that has to be priority number one because you don't want to allow them to either get a big special teams play or get their defense to get a hit on your quarterback or intercept a pass or force a fumble, whatever it may be, and then tell Brandon Allen, hey, by the way, you only have to go 45 yards instead of putting together an 80-yard drive. No this doubt. is not the game to do that. No doubt. I said to Jeff Fiegels the other day, I guess it was on Monday when we were doing the show, this needs to be a drop-the-hammer game for the Giants. It's probably going to be the only game, or it certainly could be the only game on the rest of their schedule where the experts will favor them. So they need to go into Cincinnati, make a statement, and say, fellas, listen, we are so much the better team here. We're going to show it, we're going to prove it, and we're just going to put the hammer down and drop it on Cincinnati and just level it. And that's the way they've got to do it. This is not a game you want to be squeaking by 13-10. to 10. Okay, that would not be a very tasty victory. And I know a win is a win and it goes in the W column and you have to take it and be happy with it. And the Giants desperately need one. I totally understand that. But if if you believe in the culture and you believe in the direction that Joe Judge wants this team to go in, they've got to pound the Bengals. And by the way, Joe Judge's presser is just about to start. So let's go. Absolutely. This meeting is being recorded. You're all in, Coach. All good? Okay. Yes. How's everyone doing today? Uh, guys, before we get started, I want to uh, just wish out, you know, our thoughts and prayers for uh, Marcus Paul and his family and uh, the entire Dallas Cowboys organization. Uh, this is a guy that's very well respected through the league, very well respected in this building. There's a lot of people with very close personal ties and just, you know, the reputation throughout the league. You, you don't want to see this happen to anybody. So our thoughts and prayers are to him, especially this time of year being Thanksgiving. You know, we want everyone to have a happy, safe, uh, Thanksgiving. We don't want anything bad to happen to anyone in the league. So our thoughts and prayers about the Marcus and his family. Um, you know, today we shifted over our focus to Cincinnati. Uh, we've moved forward with that coming out of the bye week. Obviously, our focus last week and early this week was more on the New York Giants and what we had to do, you know, collectively as a team on our own self-scout focus. Now we're fully on the Bengals. You know, I'd say this is a team right here that this is a, this is a very talented team. They've done a very good job assembling talent. Uh, obviously, the injury of Joe Burrow, he's a tremendous player. But I'd say this, you know, between Allen and Finley, they have two very capable quarterbacks, you know, and they have an elite receiving group that make their offense, you know, a threat every time they're on the field. They do a great job. Zach really schemes it up. He knows how to call it against opponents, makes great adjustments in the game. 
you know, does a really good job of getting the team on the field and extending drives. They got 29, I think, drives over 10 plays this year. It's one of the top in the league. And that just shows that they can get out there and really sustain drives and put things together. You know, defensively, Lou does a great job. He really coordinates it from the back end going forward. I think his DBs are very opportunistic. That shows up with the nine interceptions this year. It shows with how they win their leverage and sustain their leverage throughout coverage. They're a very aggressive press man team. They make you work for everything you're going to get. Our receivers are going to have a challenge ahead of them this week. We have to win. We have to get open. We finish catching the ball. They're you know very competitive going all the way to the ground to get that ball off you. And then I'd say in the kicking game, look, starts with Darren Sims. This guy's been there for 18 years. And knowing him personally, going against him, look, simply put, this is one of the best coaches in the National Football League. He's a tremendous coach in terms of identifying talent, developing players. His players play hard. They're fundamentally sound. They're situationally aware. So this is a very good coaching staff. These players are well coached. This is a very talented group of players. They play hard. Uh, we would expect nothing more, nothing less than 60 minutes of hard competition. Uh, we've got a big challenge ahead of us this week, and we have to go ahead and put everything into it. That being said, open up any questions you may have. We'll start with a few questions uh, from anyone who regularly covers the Bengals. Uh, ben? Yeah, hey, hey, Joe, you know, when you when you got on board and you were trying to establish a culture, what was the biggest thing that you needed to do and you felt like you had to do in order to get the kind of culture that you wanted initially? Yeah, the message for me was always just the most important thing is the team. And I think that has to resonate throughout the building first to make sure everyone in the building understands the players are the priority. And then when it gets into the players joining you in spring, although last spring was virtual, is really getting the message out to them that everything we do is for them. You know, every resource we have in the building is established for the players to use, that everything we do schematically is to give them an advantage. Everything we do in development is to try to help them develop. You know, it's all about the team. And, and once they understand that, that we have their best interests at heart, then it's probably a little bit easier for them to buy and understand we're trying to do things to help them individually as a professional and collectively as a team. Uh, I've seen nothing less than that with our team. Uh, we've got a great feel in our locker room. We have guys go out there and play hard for each other on a weekly basis. We have guys that are really fun to work with. They're very competitive. They show constant improvement. And, you know, to me, that all just stems back for knowing there's something bigger than yourself. And you got to kind of get outside your own ego and make sure you get into what the, is most important for the team. Laurel. Hi, Joe. Uh, thanks for taking time with us today. Um, how difficult is it preparing for this Bengals offense, um, not really having a good sense of what these two quarterbacks, it, it seems like they're going with Brandon Allen, um, who we haven't seen. How big of a challenge is it preparing for that? Well, Zach's going to make it a challenge every week regardless. This guy does a really good job of establishing a game plan. The thing I think he does really better than most in the league is the adjustments he makes throughout the game. You know, he's got his base offense. He goes into it with you can identify how he's starting to attack you, but then throughout the game, he changes it up continuously. You know, he does a really good job of getting down the red area and getting the ball across the goal line. Uh, he's really got a, a great offensive mind right there. I think the thing about these guys is these receivers are really elite. They've got good runners. They've got a solid offensive line. These guys play very tough and competitive. And the thing I tell you, you know, on the note right there that we haven't seen Brandon Allen, we have seen Brandon Allen. We saw him in Denver. We saw him in L.A. Some of it maybe preseason. You know, they played. he played himself against the Giants in previous preseason. So there's been some familiarity with this guy. The thing you see with him is he's a confident player back there. Uh, he's a very accurate passer. He's knowledgeable within the system. You know, he can make the guys around him better by distributing the ball. And then Finley, the thing that he really brings to the table is, He's an aggressive young quarterback. He can make the throws, but he's athletic. And he can break the pocket. He can stand it. He's not hesitant to pull that ball down and scramble and make plays with his legs. So, look, right now we're preparing for, you know, Allen was obviously announced today through the press, but we're preparing for Allen as well as Finley because we have to expect to see at least a little bit of both throughout the game. So both are very capable quarterbacks. 
both present a lot of challenges, and we've got to really make sure that we're working hard this week for both guys. Bruce Beck. I know this season is a lot about improvement and progress, but with six games to go, you have a great opportunity in front of you, and I want to know if you embrace that opportunity as a football team looking at the NFC East. Yeah, Bruce, not to give you coach speak, we definitely embrace every opportunity. I talked to our players today about embracing the opportunity we had to go out there today. You know, um, look, I think when you look at this division, this is really the starting point for the division. All right, we're coming out of Thanksgiving after this, you know, this weekend. Everyone's really on equal ground. The only thing that matters is what we do from this point forward. We've got to show consistent improvement. I think our players have done that throughout the year, but nothing before this game is going to matter. Nothing's going to help us beat the Bengals other than what we do this week to prepare and how we execute for 60 minutes against Cincinnati. So in terms of the entire division, the most important thing truly is what I always say is being a better team every week and being a better team at the end of the season because everyone right now is on equal ground going forward. Sports. Hey, Joe. Hey, Paul. Um, hey, um, you know, every game I'm sure you prepare a certain way. I'm sure you do. Um, but this game is a little different. Is coming out of the bye. You know, the Bengals just lost their, their rookie quarterback who everyone was talking about. You guys are favored on the road. Um, is that a mindset that you see in the building? Is it a mindset you want to get out of the building? You know, this whole, okay, the Giants are supposed to win this game. I'm sure as a coach, you hate the word supposed. Yeah, the message I always have to the players is, look, if you start reading headlines and you want to believe the good, then you better be ready to believe the bad. Because a lot of the same people are writing two different stories about you weeks apart. So you can't go with the roller coaster up and down. Whatever's said on the outside of the building may have some truth to it, but at the same time, we can't let that dictate how we prepare or the flow that we have and the mindset we have. Today's Wednesday. Today's a work day for us. We've got to get out there on the field. Our guys have to start from scratch with fundamentals. We got to get our bodies moving. We have to knock off some rust from having a bye week. All right, we have to make sure we get into the game plan for the Bengals and that we understand that so we can come in tomorrow, correct what we need to, and take a step forward with the rest of our game plan going in. So, look, just because we've had you know some games go the same a different way than maybe earlier in the season's last couple of weeks, that does not change how we prepare. It does not change our mindset. Every week we truly work to be one and zero. That's the only important thing on a weekly basis. And our players, I believe, understand that you know everything we do. Okay, adds up, but ultimately it only matters what you do for those 60 minutes or those three-hour windows on Sundays when it really matters. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Patty. Hey, Coach. How are you? Good, Patty. How are you doing today? Doing well. Uh, two quick questions for you. Brett had uh, Brandon Allen down in Arkansas when, when the two of them were down there. I'm just wondering how much information – can carry over from those days. Obviously, that was a few years ago, but is that information still valid? Well, I'd say it's valid in terms of knowing the guy's mindset. And, you know, we talked about Brett with Brett, about Brandon already. And the things he talks about is his poise, his composure, his competitiveness. The tape really tells you what you need to know about the guy as a player. Knowing the guy's mindset from his former head coach, that's critical right there. And Brett has a great tie with all of his players. He really understands what makes these guys tick and what kind of guys these guys are in the huddle. And he's described Brandon, is this guy's a leader? This guy's going to get in the huddle. He's going to have 10 sets of eyes that are confident in what he's telling them. And they're going to go out and play aggressive for him. And you watch his tape, he gives his receivers a chance to make plays down the field. That's one thing about him. So he's not afraid to throw it in tight windows. And these receivers have all shown they're very capable of making those 50-50 catches. And this is an elite receiving group. We've got to acknowledge that this is one of the best in the league. And these guys have made a ton of plays already down the field. 
And then just one quick follow-up, not related, but the team put out a video of you reaching out to some new season ticket holders. And I'm just wondering, why did you feel it important to do that? You know, this is something they presented to me and I absolutely jumped on it. Um, look, I think sometimes what gets lost in the shuffle sometimes is the connection that we have with the fans. And this has definitely been a year we haven't been able to have that connection. So any opportunity I had to be able to just interact or speak with any of the fans, look, that to me is critical and it's critical for our team. Um, there is obviously, there's a loss of an element of this game with having empty stadiums. And yes, there is a noticeable difference whether you play in a stadium of 3,000 people or 20,000 people wherever we've been in this year because there's a noticeable energy in the stadium. Now, that being said, there's only 11 on the field and you got to bring your own energy and you have to play. But when there's people in the stadium, there's fans and energy, that's critical to the game. That's a flow of the game. And I worked with a guy a long time ago who used to say all the time, we don't need drugs, we're football junkies. And that's the truth is the energy on Sundays really is what you work for. You put all the time in throughout the week, you invest it all, and you go out there for three hours on Sunday. And that's that adrenaline kick that you really work for. That's the thing you can't stop coming back to over and over. And really that ties back into the fans and the players and how they compete on the field. You know, the other thing being said too is, listen, it's been a very tough year around the country for a lot of people. And the fact that we have people willing to invest their own hard-earned money in this time into us, it's important they understand that we're invested in them as well. And the product we want to put on the field has to reflect them and what they're fighting through as well. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Patty. Tom Rock. Joe, first of all, can I just ask a couple of uh, quick logistical questions? Uh, yes. Today, today will be the first day that you're on the field as a team since the Eagles game, I think. That is uh, correct, yes. All together. And then what are, you, what are your plans for tomorrow with the team? Yeah, so tomorrow will be, we're going to start a little bit earlier. It's going to be, you can call it a normal Thursday for us, Tom. It'll be virtual meetings. It'll be on the field, normal practice. The biggest difference will be when practice is over, we're going to cut the players loose. So they should be out of the building tomorrow, call it 1.30. All right, and then we'll bring them back in on Friday. We'll add a little bit more time on Friday morning to review the tape from Thursday and make up that lost time we had. So we'll start a little bit earlier. Most of the guys don't mind that. It gets them kind of going in the flow of things. Tomorrow's obviously a critical day. It's Thursday. We work all the situations. Two minute, third down. We introduce red air review early downs. We get all the special teams worked on Thursday. So Thursday's a big day for us. Um, but we want to make sure that we take time. And we understand that it is still Thanksgiving, guys. There's certain days of the year you've got to make sure you dedicate that. Family is a critical part of it. Friends are a critical part of it. We want to make sure that when the work's done, we can go home. We can, you know, guys can I guess put their hair down. I guess it you know refers to Nate Edmond more than anybody. I guess but they can kind of relax and, you know, spend a little bit of time with their loved ones. And then uh, if I could ask you about Daniel, you know, the, the last two games, do, does it feel like he's sort of gotten over a little bit of a hump here? I just see constant improvement with him on a weekly basis, Tom. I think every game is very unique. It's very in, independent of the one before. The lessons you learn from the previous game, you take forward and you don't want to repeat mistakes. I think Daniel's just done a good job of really growing in this system. I think he's done a really good job of growing as a player right now. I see a lot of growth with him. A lot of things you guys don't see behind the scenes that we're not always going to share, but the way this guy is outward with his teammates or the reception he gets in team meetings or locker rooms and things like that, you can really see the team growing around him. This guy's an integral part. He's a leader on this team. He's a quarterback. We all have confidence in him and we love putting him on the field on Sunday, letting him go out there and compete. We got time for three more, uh, Pat Leonard, Zach and Jordan. Pat Leonard. Patrick there. I'll try to come back to him. Zach. Hey Joe. Um I was wondering if you uh if you saw the video of Graham Gano uh making a makeshift uh, little practice situation in his hotel room and what what you made of his all set up. 
Yeah, he better open the windows. Cincinnati doesn't have a dome, so I don't know what the hell he thinks he's accomplishing there. But, uh, I mean, obviously, this guy's probably going to stir crazy. He's chomping at the bit to get back with us. You know, our biggest priority right now with him is just his health. And when the doctors say he's good to go, we'll put him out there and let him start swinging away. Jordan? Hey, Joe. Off that, you, you had four positive tests last week during your bye week. So you, you come back this week. How much has that changed your operation overall? Yeah, actually a good bit, Jordan. You know, what we've been doing the last few weeks has been Wednesday. We've been in the building for install meetings and then reviewing the tape in person on the back end. Thursdays have been virtual all the way through for really the last chunk of weeks. Friday's been an in-person day. What we've changed this week is we're going to do all virtual meetings Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. That's install meetings and the review of the tape on the back end. Now, Thursday's a little different being Thanksgiving, as I just referenced. That, that review meeting will be actually Friday morning. However, the other precaution we've taken, you know, Monday, one to have a team practice. We chopped that up, end up doing more small segments, small group, individual focus practices, which to be honest with you, we talked to staff in terms of coming off a of bye week, that may be the way to go from now on. We thought we had a lot of productive work as far as knocking off some rust. Uh, probably would have been a little better if we'd been on the field last week uh, for Tuesday and Wednesday we were, as we initially planned. But that may be a good way for us to come out of the bye continuously going forward of getting guys going back in. You know, I'd say the rest of it is, you know, we've been following the same protocols the entire time. Our guys' antennas are definitely up. They're very receptive. But in terms of chopping up the weight room, chopping up, you know, time in the locker room has really been critical for the entire league. And that's what a lot of the league memos reference is getting the guys out of the locker room where they, you know, turn where they naturally talk and hang out and are pretty close to each other, even though we have the spacing built in for them. So we're kind of segmenting when they get in the building, when we let them off the field at the end of practice. There's a certain group of guys that may go lift weights after practice. Some younger guys will keep on the field for a little extended drill work. And then another group will go to the locker room. That'll kind of, you know, cycle through the showers, getting dressed, that we don't have everyone in there at the same time. So we've had to be very particular about how we set up the flow of the day that way, Jordan, to make sure everyone just doesn't cluster together. Um, now that being said, you know, look, we started this back in the spring. I think that was the best preparation we could possibly have for the season is this virtual world we're meeting in. Our guys have been tremendous with it. You know, you click on there, you know, we talk about having a professional setting. All of our guys are in a good, quiet place. They can concentrate at home. You know, you can watch it in the grid format like we do right here, and you can see everybody's eyes. Everyone's locked in. Everyone's tuned into each other. That's all been very, very positive. You hear horror stories from other teams around the league, to be honest with you, about guys being distracted or, you know, guys playing with kids in the middle of meetings, things like that. You know, our guys have been great about really coming to work, being professional, you know, making sure it's a priority that when they're in that Zoom meeting, they're at work. And I think we've seen a lot of benefits because of it. And talking with the captains throughout these last few weeks, you know, asking them feedback on how do you like the Zoom meetings, you know, as opposed to the in-person ones. And some of the feedback I've gotten is, hey, throughout the weeks, it's not a bad change of having it one day a week or a couple of days a week. So, you know, this will be the first time we go three days in a week. We'll have to see how they handle it and how they like it. And, uh, again, we'll evaluate at the end of this week and see what to do going forward. So is that a rule you have to have your camera on? You have to be able to see the guy? Yeah, look, if we don't see your eyes, you ain't there. Look, look, I learned in the spring real fast. I got a 10-year-old who figured out he could put dot, dot, dot connecting on the bottom of his Zoom, and the teacher just wouldn't call on him. So it's like, you know, you got to kind of learn all these little tricks and stay ahead of it that, you know, we got to see your eyes and know you're locked in the meeting. So you're consulting your 10-year-old on how to run these? No, I'm just observing criminal activity <laughs> and staying ahead on enforcement. Okay. Last one here, Pat Leonard. Hey, Joe, Darius Slayton, I know everyone considers him a, a dangerous deep threat. He's, his toughness has shown up this year. It seems he has left several games banged up but doesn't spend a long time on the sideline. 
and often ends up maybe making a big play later in the same game where it looks like he gets banged up. Is um, is that indicative of what you see from him as a player and a person? Yeah, absolutely. This guy's a mentally tough guy, Pat. Look, this guy's had things going back to being a training camp that he's had to fight through and deal with. And you never hear him complain. You never hear an excuse from him. You know, the only thing he ever asks is the trainers, what can I do today? How much more can I do? Where can I push to? And he just keeps working on the field. He's a tough dude. He's tough-minded. He's made big plays for us. And, yeah, I mean, I mean, I rock to say this on Iron Bowl week, but, I mean, I'd say this guy, most of the uh, Auburn players I've been fortunate enough to coach have all been tough dudes like Darius. So he hasn't disappointed. Thanks. Thanks, Coach. You're all set. Okay. All right, Thanks, that guys. was Appreciate head it. coach guys, happy Joe Judge speaking tomorrow. to the media and reporters as he gets set for his team to visit the Cincinnati Bengals coming up this Sunday. We will get to your phone calls in a second here at 201-939-4513. You could also tweet at us, hashtag Giants Chat, directly with us. You can interact at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Giants WFAN. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. Before we open up the lines, Paul, I just want to piggyback off of what you and I were talking about earlier on the program, which is exactly what he had talked about. The fact that, no surprise, they had chatted with Brett Bielema because of his ties to Brandon Allen at Arkansas. But I thought he brought up a good point where you rely on the film because the film is going to tell you everything. And what I mean by the film is the most accurate piece of intel on Brandon Allen is what he did against the Denver Broncos last season as opposed to what he did when he had an Arkansas uniform. So Bielema can tell them mindset, okay? What was he in the huddle? What are the things that maybe he gets distracted by? What type of defensive schemes maybe throw him off? But you're still going to go based on the newest, most recent film, and that's last year in his three starts against Denver. Well, to me, that's incredibly significant because it's only his fourth year as a pro, and this will be the fourth game that he has played in. So to be perfectly frank with you, yeah, the, the quarterback's mentality and his mindset, that's everything to me. I'll be, I'll be frank with you, Lance. I, I thought that's exactly what he should have said. It's what I expected, and that's the most valuable thing. I think it gives the Giants a tremendous advantage. Because when you understand a quarterback's mentality and his mindset, you know what makes him tick, which is what he was talking about, that is more than half the battle. It's, it's a lot better than even understanding what you saw on film. So I see it exactly the inverse of how you see it. I, I think there's a lot more value to that than, than you might believe. Well, I'm not denying the fact that it helps that Bielema is going to be bringing them some up-close-and-personal situations that he experienced with Brandon Allen. I mean, listen, the more intel, the better. I, I don't think you could have too much intel, especially when it comes to the NFL. All I'm saying is I believe Brandon Allen has matured as a quarterback from the time that he dressed at Arkansas in 2015. Whether he played in regular season games or not, Paul, I don't think it's crazy to think he has changed his mindset. He's learned a lot more about the game from being in the film sessions with yeah, the various coordinators and teams he that he's played, played for. He hasn't played, though. He hasn't yeah, played. But this that is his mean fourth NFL game in four years. You know he's taken a total of 176 career NFL snaps? That's nothing. We talk all the time about how Parcells says you have to play 30 games in the NFL as a, as a quarterback to start in this league before you find out what the guy is. This guy basically is not a whole lot further along than a rookie. 
when you consider how little he has played in four years in this league. Bookwork is not the same as being in the field of battle with guys coming at you, the sweat's flying, the clock is ticking, they're banging on you, they're pounding you into the ground. No, no, I, I, I'm sorry, Lance. I got to disagree with you. I think there's a lot Listen, of value. A lot we're of value. Entitled here. to disagree because you could look at quarterbacks that have sat for a year or two, and I would argue that that was beneficial in the long run. Oh, now, there's no they may question. Have been drafted much higher than Brandon Allen. That's fine, but I think there is value to taking a step back and observing, as opposed to be throwing right into the baptism by fire scenario. It should. Oh, you always. I favor having rookie quarterbacks sit for the first year, but then you play them in year two and you play a whole bunch of games, and it takes a while of real live games before that guy starts to truly develop, mature, change some of his instincts because now he's a pro and it's a different game. No, this is a guy who has only taken 176 snaps and played in three NFL games in now his fourth pro season. To me, he is not much further advanced than a rookie. Think about what Daniel Jones was last year when he was only a month into playing. It, 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 I, I, it, look, and, and here's the other thing. He hasn't been with the same team. That's the other thing that you're well, forgetting Well, but he's been here. in Zach Taylor's scheme, though. He understands he, that. Yeah, but he's, he's been, he's been with the Broncos. He's been with the Rams. Yeah. He's been with the Jaguars. This is his fourth team in four years. I, I think, I think Brett Bielema is going to have a lot to say about this, and I suspect it's a big advantage for the Giants. Well, on paper, it appears to be that way, and it should be that way in reality. All I'm saying is I don't take anything for granted when it comes to the NFL. Didn't say it was granted. I'm not taking anything for granted. I'm simply saying it's a big advantage. Whether or not the Giants use that and execute, that's up to them on Sunday. But going in, I, I, I like that scenario for the Giants. Well, you like the scenario going up against Brandon Allen versus Joe Burrow. I don't think any team would hesitate if they'd sign up with that tomorrow. Okay? We agree. So nobody's going to dispute that. We agree. We agree. Yeah, of course. You absolutely want to see the backup of the third-string quarterback, but I think they're also going to try to tailor things around Brandon Allen's limitations, and that's when the talent pool around the quarterback comes into play, which is why as long as the Giants continue to play at the level they've done over the last few weeks defensively, sure. there shouldn't be anything glaring or overly concerned for them well, because they've got the guys that could certainly match up and counter what Cincinnati's going to throw their way. Cincinnati has two other very, very tall mountains to climb in this game. Number one is that their offensive line has really, really performed at a very poor level throughout the course of the season. Well, they've had no consistency with okay. personnel on the offensive line. So <laughs> here, here you are now down to your third-string quarterback, if you will, Okay, and you've got an offensive line that has allowed, I believe, the second most sacks in the league. I think the most quarterback hits in the league. And then on top of that, your premier running back, Joe Mixon, is out because of a foot injury. So you don't really have an offensive line you can count on to protect this poor quarterback. You don't really have an offensive line that's going to help a quality running back to give some of the pressure to them and, and kind of take it off the quarterback, you've got yourself a very big problem here, no matter who you're playing. And let me make this clear. This isn't so much about the Giants even. The Bengals, in my mind, have a tremendous amount of, of, of mountains to climb, no matter who they're playing this week. Because this, this is a very, very serious 
uh, a problem for them no matter no matter who the team is. They're, well, they're a mess. They're a mess. Defensively, they've struggled because they don't have an imposing pass rush. So that's been one of their limitations. You're leaving your secondary out to dry more often than not because you know you're not getting home. And then in the trenches on the offensive side of the ball, as you just hit on, I contributed to just a plethora of injuries. We're talking about they've had guys go down left and right. They actually, believe it or not, stunningly, one of their wins this season against, I believe it was Tennessee, they were missing four of their five starters on the offensive line, yet they yeah. somehow won that game. So that just goes to show you, listen, we could study the film. We could break down all of the issues. The NFL is unpredictable. No matter how much you want to think you know the ins and outs about every team, there is going to be those curveballs. And that's why this game is, to me, falls under that tricky category where everything is laid out beautifully for the Giants, but that doesn't mean that it's all going to execute. No. No, level. you're right. No, I, I agree with you on that 100%. On paper, on paper, the Bengals have a very, very difficult task this Sunday. And, and there may only be two or three teams in the NFL that you could honestly go into this game and say they'd be a pick em against. That, that's, that's how serious uh, deficiencies uh, that they have. However, having said that, the Giants are certainly not good enough that they can sleepwalk into anybody's stadium and just mail in a win. That, that, that's ridiculous. That, how, could, how could anybody think that? The Giants need to play like they have the last couple of weeks, and if they do so, that should be enough to beat this team. Giants fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants-branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants member FDIC. Let's open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513, and we check in with Martin in Wisconsin. Martin, welcome aboard. What do you got for us? Hey, how's it going, guys? Hi. What's on your mic? You know, uh... Hey, first of all, I wanted to say thank you guys for what you do. Um, I'm a long-time listener. I live here in Wisconsin, okay? I lived here for 22 years, but I was born in Brooklyn and raised in Queens. But I've cool. got to tell you guys something. i got to tell you guys something that my uh, son passed away uh, at 18 months from uh, HRT cancer. Oh, my. Sorry. Sorry to hear that. Yep, yep. Thank you. The reason why I want to tell you guys that is because you guys are part of our everyday lives. If you have children, you know, you know, I get my kids ready. I got two other kids that I get ready for preschool and get them onto the bus while my son was there. We would listen to you guys every single day in Wisconsin. My kids know the phone number by heart. That's what you guys do. <laughs> Thank you for what you're doing. They do. My kids, they, they know the they know Oh, the wow. Okay, wow. so thank you guys for what you do. I have to tell you that. Well, thank you for tuning in and having the show be a part of your life. We certainly that's appreciate a, that really cool. as well, Martin. It keeps me going. It keeps me going, okay? That's number one. Number two, uh, I want to make a statement about Charlie, the, the guy that calls every day. I just want to let you guys know, respectfully saying to Charlie, if you don't have anything positive to say, there's another team with green that he can – I'm sure they'll be glad to take it. <laughs> As a, as a fan, because this, I mean, what? What? I mean, come on. We 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 won we won three games. We've been going through a horrible stretch here. We win, and then you still find something negative to talk about. Stop it. Now, when he and when he he made me mad when he had something to say about Coach Judge. First of all, he talked said he's a socialist or something like that. I got a problem with that. 
we have had not had a good team since the boat ride. We all know it. Since the boat ride, we've had a problem. We needed a coach that would take control, and that's what Coach Judge is doing. Coach, if you hear, hear me right now, excellent job, outstanding. Our offense, our offense, I'm so excited about Coach Garrett. I hope we don't lose him to being a head coach next year. When is the last time have you watched a, in years past where you can watch a whole Giants game and I say, what is it? What is this guy calling? Coach Garrett has been calling great games. He hasn't called a bad game, in my opinion, this entire year. And defensively, I'm excited because what Coach Graham is doing, we started out being a single high uh, defense. Now we figured out our personnel. We are keeping in front of us defense, and we're going to rally to you and, and come hard. That's who our young kids are, and I'm excited about our defense. The one thing I'm a little bit concerned with right now is I feel like some people are looking past the Bengals. We know as Giant fans, we've seen this movie before. We're supposed to beat them. We're supposed to have this, this great victory. And then all of a sudden, why in the H do we lose? We've just got to focus on the victory. And I just, I'm going to leave you guys with that. And I thank you so much for taking my call. Well, All right, Martin. We appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for weighing in and continue to stay safe and healthy to you and yours. Appreciate you uh, tuning in. And his last point is exactly what I've been emphasizing, Paul. And I'm not saying that you have not been emphasizing it, but I respect the mindset of don't take teams and don't take games for granted in the NFL. And the Giants, while they have played much better over the last few weeks and It'll be interesting to see whether or not they could build off of that. Nothing has come easy for this team this year. There's been games where they've no. had double-digit leads and right, and then all of a sudden it's shrinked at the end of games. There's been games where they've trailed, they've come back, and it's been a seesaw battle. So, you know, this is a Cincinnati team. These guys get paid. There's a lot of talent on that side of the ball. Yes, the quarterback's the most important position. I'm not going to dispute that. But there are a lot of good, savvy coaches in this league that find ways to overcome sometimes issues that they may have under center. And I'm sure Zach Taylor and that offensive coaching staff is going to find ways to not have Brandon Allen try to be a hero 24-7 in this game. Yeah, that would be a very smart thing to do. Again, they're very limited with the resources that they have. But the bottom line is this, Lance. You don't have to look any further than just the last couple of months where the Giants should have won games. They played well enough to win. They had control of games. And you know what? They got away from them. I mean, just think about the two penalties that cost them two touchdowns against the Cowboys. And that game wound up in the loss column. So can, can you can you absolutely see a scenario where the Giants could go to Cincinnati and come out of there with a loss? Sure you could. The Giants are three and seven, three and three over the last six games. They can't sleepwalk past anybody. I could not agree with you more. But the point is, if they play to the back of their football cards, they should absolutely go into Cincinnati and drop the hammer down. That's what they need to do. They need to make a statement. They made a statement last week when they took care of the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that's had a hex over them for decades. Now they need to go into Cincinnati and make a statement and, and beat up on a team that, that should not be in the ballgame with them. That's a similar statement that you can make. And, again, if they come out with a 13-10 win, fine, it's a win. They should not sweat against this team. They must, in their minds, say they're going in there to register a third-round knockout. You see what I'm saying? Sure. You know, Although winning, winning, day, winning a split decision, an ugly split decision, I get it. It's still a win. No, they need to go in there saying going to knock them out. That's it. And I'm completely. 
And I'm completely on board with that philosophy, but I wouldn't get too caught up in how they win. If they beat the Bengals by a touchdown, they beat them by a touchdown. They beat them by six points, they beat them by six points. Because as you well know, Paul, the challenge the following week is going to be very different than what Cincinnati poses. Seattle is very different than Cincinnati. No doubt. Just because you hammered Cincinnati, let's say you cruise past the Bengals, okay, in a hypothetical world, does that put you in a better position to beat the Seahawks? Yeah, it does. You know why? Because it's part of the development. The development and the maturing process, you know, it's kind of like when people say, you know, you got to win games you should win. Uh, Then you have to go and steal a game from a better team. And then you have to say, okay, now – when you are supposed to continue to roll over teams and bludgeon teams, you do. That Yes, it is part of the level of development. It's part of the maturing process. It's part of the metamorphosis that you have to go through to become a higher-level team in the league. And as the Giants crawl out of the quicksand, they need to get past that next level. And this would prove something to me. If, if they bludgeon this team as opposed to squeaking out with a victory. Yes, it would mean something. I definitely believe it would. The New York Giants at Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab tests through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Lance Metal Paul Dottino with you here on the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Wednesday's edition is we're getting you set for the Giants and Bengals coming your way in Week 12 at Paul Brown Stadium. Len is in Columbia, Maryland. He joins us now. What's happening, Len? Hey, guys. How we doing? Happy, thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. Same yes, sir. You too. Um, yeah. Um, out of respect for the, the previous caller, I just threw a line through a couple of negative things I was going to say. But um, I'm going to keep this positive. He was um, obviously going through a lot. And, uh, yeah, God bless. Um yeah, okay, Cincinnati on Sunday. Um, you know, when the schedule came out back in April, uh, if there's one game we all circled and said this is a win, <laughs> it was probably the Cincinnati game. Hopefully it comes out that way. And as you guys have been saying, um, you know, they're going to put 11 guys out there. And um, our 11 guys got to beat their 11 guys on, uh, you know, on a majority of the plays, and we can get out of there with a win. Uh one point, thirty points. I don't care. Uh, I just want to be a four-win team on. By the time this game is over on Sunday night, um, there's something about uh, Coach Judge. You know, he, he he's doing a really, really nice job. He's doing a good job on. You know, with the team on the field, but he's doing a really, really good job with these press conferences. And you know, the questions are getting tougher and tougher. It started after that brutal loss in Philadelphia, that Thursday night game. Man, those questions were pretty serious. And, um, you know, through the coaching change, and he, he, does, he, he does a nice job. He's, he, he's a good representative for, that, you know, for, the, for um, our franchise. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad he's with us, and I, I hope he has continued good luck. Um, you know the Bengals. This this guy Allen, obviously an unknown. Uh, Lance, you're gonna you're gonna like this. We got to get at least three tip balls on Sunday. You know, six two two fifteen. I know he's thirty, Paul. And you alluded to that, but uh, I think we're gonna have an opportunity on Sunday to tip some balls, and maybe we get an interception. Uh, you know, D linemen, linebackers, keep those hands up. Keep those hands up. 
make them throw through a forest, and I think we can get some tips and maybe get some game-changing plays in there. Um, I think the Giants have done a good job, actually, in that department, no matter who they've they played have, this season. They have. So, yeah, and that, yeah, to me, is just yeah. a staple of their defense so far this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's especially Tomlinson. Man, he yeah. seems to have a block every game. Uh, you know, a tip every game. And uh, But I think at that height, um, you know, in this situation, I, I, I think we can harass Allen that way. You know, to be honest him. with you, Len, more than that, and I'm not saying that's not a good thing because obviously it is, but for a guy who's only played three NFL games in the last four years, you know what you want? You want to hit him. Hit him hard and hit him often. Yeah. And make him understand yeah. that, hey, this is the NFL, my friend. Uh, welcome welcome to, uh, to action on Sundays. And just pound them in the first quarter. That's what you there want to you do. Go. There you go. Hey, hey, Lance, remember my strategy for beating Philadelphia was to knock Wentz down ten times. I don't know if you remember our conversation on that, but Paul. Well, I mean, I would say that there. about every quarterback, Len. Yeah. No matter who you're playing, <laughs> well, I, know, I, I, know. I don't I think the blueprint is ever bad if you're hitting the quarterback. Yeah, 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 yeah. But on on some of them, it's it's a little better. Like Paul is is suggesting, uh, you know, against this, you know, against this guy on Sunday. Um, you know, I'm looking at some statistics. Our our run game is turning out to be, you know, pretty good. I know Daniel has got a lot of yardage for us, but. Geez, I think we're right in the middle of the pack in terms of average yards per game. Uh, I, I, if I counted correctly, I think we're maybe 16 or 17. Uh, you know, that's pretty good. We've been complaining about it for such a long time this season. Uh, it's, it's really starting to come back. And, again, Daniel's played a large part of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we can overpower him. At the, what do you guys think about the run game on Sunday? I mean, this, this team does not play the run real real well. I know they're going to put some guys out there. You know, that defensive end Hubbard's a good guy, and Atkins has a reputation, but... Atkins actually um, is not playing much this season, believe it or not. He's had a shoulder he's injury. banged up, yeah. So and that's also not a guy they his, even rely on. Just had a child last week, too. Yeah. Yeah, him yeah, and his wife yeah, had a yeah. baby, so I don't know exactly what his status is going into this game. The one thing about the Bengals, if you look at their their numbers across the board against the run, first of all, they're giving up five yards a carry, which is second worst in the league. Uh, teams have had tremendous success whenever they run away from the middle. If you run right and you run left, you just gobble up yardage like a Thanksgiving turkey. But if you run directly up the middle, that's the one spot where they've actually been able to do a somewhat respectable job in closing things down. So Interesting. Interesting. go to the outsides, yeah. though, and they just don't seem to have an ability to stop people. Yeah, now this – are you there, Paul? Yeah. Okay, the strength on that, the strength on that defense seems to be the safeties. Yes, um, agreed. They're, they're really pretty <laughs> – they're really pretty good, and um, the strength on their offense, obviously, is the wide receivers. I, I think our safeties are going to have to play a strong game on Sunday. I, I think that back end is going to get pressured, and um, um, I'm, I'm looking for us to hold up. And, uh, you know, for Ryan and Peppers and Julian Love, um, I'm still high on Love. A lot of people aren't, but I'm still high on Love. I want to see those three safeties come through and play, uh, you know, play a nice game. And hopefully the place kicker, I don't know if we're going to have Gano back or not, but um, I know we'll get the punter back and the long snapper, and that's good. But, um, I, you know, I'm hoping the place kicker, um, you know, has a good day for us, doesn't hurt us. I know he's got a big leg, 
And listen, uh, I'll, I'll let you guys go. You have uh, happy Thanksgiving, and Same hey, you, guys, man. stay well. Stay All well. Right. Appreciate Enjoy. the phone call. The Bengals have a number of playmakers. It's not as if they lean on one wide receiver. They could have T. Higgins take over a game. Tyler Boyd could take over a game. And as I mentioned, A.J. Green is still capable of being productive. So that's another reason why you got to be careful when you play Cincinnati. Some teams, they got their 1A guy, and they maybe have a few Bs. They have a few 1As, I would argue, in Cincinnati. So this is going to be a test for the entire secondary, specifically the individual playing opposite James Bradbury. As far as Graham Gano is concerned, they are hoping and optimistic that hopefully he can get back by Saturday before the team leaves for Cincinnati. So the door is still open there. But there are four other guys that are still on the COVID reserve list, and it's highly unlikely that they're going to be able to suit up. That's why the Giants add another tight end to the practice squad because Caden Smith is one of those players. And this is just the nature of the beast this season, Paul. You have to be able to adapt and adjust because you just never know when you're going to lose a guy. I would add one other small item to what you had said a moment ago. If you're going to be the Bengals and try to take advantage of what you do have, uh, Giovanni Bernard is one of your better pass-catching running backs in the league. And, you know, please do not sleep on him. When you're talking about don't overestimate your opponent, that's a guy who is very adept at coming out of the backfield and working against linebackers and trying to make some plays that way. They may not be able to run the ball very much, but using him as a weapon to catch short passes is certainly something that I would think they're going to rely heavily on. Yeah, Bernard already has 32 receptions. And also, that's a good way to get your quarterback in rhythm, right? Yes. Dump it off to the running back, let him get some yak. And avoid hits. The catch. Yeah. So. Would not be surprised if they lean on him. There's no doubt about it. That, to me, would be a very good game plan if you're the Bengals, especially early on. Not that we want to help them, Lance, because there's no reason for us to do so. (laughs) No, but, I mean, just from a strategic standpoint, (laughs) I would not blame the Bengals if that's what they decide to pull out of the playbook. Let's head back to the lines. Clay is in Brooklyn, joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Clay? Hey, guys. How you doing? And happy holidays to you. Same to you. Um, Just one. Thank you. Wanted to ask a couple of questions as well as make a comment. One is, I don't know if you've heard anything or seen anything about um, how far along Xavier McKinney's progress is looking. If are we expecting him to play this week, and if so, you know, is he ten snaps? Is he thirty snaps? You know, any sense of that at all? Well, his twenty-one day clock has started because they officially right. activated him from IR. And right. remember, they're not practicing for the first time until the bye until today. So I think once we see the practice report and what's happening with respect to him, that will give us maybe a better indication. O'Shane Zimenez is in the same boat. Uh, take Crowder, right. too. All three yeah. of those guys, I think, have potential to return on Sunday. But as far as McKinney's playing time, I go, Clay, based on what Joe Judge had said over the last few weeks when he's been asked about McKinney. It's highly unlikely they're going to throw him into a baptism-by-fire situation where he's going to play a monster number of snaps. I think that they'll maybe have a small number of snaps, get his feet wet, and then as the games play out, then I think his role will expand moving forward. So one of the things that I wanted to uh, – I say this a lot, but I'll say it again. I really think that this is a week where we've got to make the quarterback beat us and we've got to make him beat us by throwing deep. So I think we need to go to a four-man front. I think without Joe Mixon, with you know injuries all along their offensive line and with a quarterback that you know most of us never heard of, <laughs> um, the last 
way we should lose is because Giovanni Bernard runs for, you know, 125 yards and three touchdowns. But if we put four on the line, if we put Hill, Dalvin, Dexter, and Leonard on the line, whether we go 4-2 or 4-3, I think that completely shuts down their running game, and it's going to say, okay, beat us over the top. And especially if you go 4-2-5, and especially if McKitty's in there for, you know, a decent number of snaps, uh, I I really think we can take away the running game entirely and the short, quick passing game and make them beat us deep. And if they beat us deep, if they, if, you know, if they throw four 60-yard bombs, you tip your cap and say, listen, I don't know why that guy wasn't playing before, but I just don't see that happening. That's an interesting thought, and I, and I do like it. I think that's certainly an option that Patrick Graham has, you know, to use because the truth of the matter is between Boyd, Higgins, and Green, you're going to see a lot of three wide receiver sets. I'm sure you right. are. So, yeah, I, I, I think uh, he's going to have to get the ball out quick. We know that. So they're not going to have a lot of time to run a lot of those deep routes. So, you know, there's two ways you could go with that, too. You could either go jam those guys and ruin the timing on the short, quick routes that they're going to use, or, as you also said, you could just try to defend against the longer pass and say, look, we're going to keep everything in front, and that's just the way it's going to be, and try to nickel yourself down the field, nickel and dime yourself if you like. But that's, you know, either way, I, I think they're, they're an offensively challenged team. And as long as the right. Giants don't do anything foolish, miss tackles, defensive penalties, guys getting caught out of position, as long as they play clean, fundamental football on the defensive side, they should be fine. And this right. is absolutely right. a game, I would agree. I mean, you want Brandon Allen to start airing it out. I mean, the more pass attempts that he has to make, the merrier. I just think that you got to be a little bit careful about overcommitting to stopping the run because, as we pointed out earlier, Allen also could then counter that by dumping it off to Bernard out of the backfield, and then maybe you're caught out of position and a short five-yard pass becomes a 15- to 20-yard gain. So it's that game of chess that you got to be cautious of. I'm sure Cincinnati is looking at the film and they're saying, hey, we know they got a lot of big boys up front. Our offensive line has not been strong. Maybe the way we catch the Giants off guard is we utilize the running backs as receivers and see if that could open right. up, and they're not going to get teased into going for the home run. So I think the Giants are going to have to feel things out early in this game before they maybe, to your point, go heavy up front with some extra personnel. Right, because I'd love to see him throw 45, 50 passes. Sure. Yeah. Um, the other yeah. thing I wanted to say is that Tyler Boyd, far and away is their number one receiver as far as number of receptions. He's got 69 catches and his second highest is T. Higgins with 43. In basketball, we call it a box in one. What if we put Bradbury on Tyler Boyd and just said, look, let's, let's take Tyler Boyd out of this. So not only are we in a 4-2-5 and we got you know, a lot of athletic kind of hybrid guys on the field to take away uh, the, the possibility of Jim. I don't, I don't like Giovanni Bernard going up against, you know, down, uh, Downs or Mayo, yeah. but if he's got some of the, if, he, if he's got you know more of the hybrid guys, Peppers and Love and and hopefully McKinney and and Darnay Holmes, if those are the guys that are in the zone, and and we just put Bradbury on Boyd and say, okay, we're going to take Boyd out of the game. Yeah, so well, before we're stopping you, the run and Boyd. Before you go any further with that, now as you know, we're obviously in the studios now trying to get this show on for you guys, so we're not being able to visually see eyewitness uh, at practice. Uh, the reports right. coming from practice, Ryan Dunleavy of the New York Post, one of three reporters who actually was out there over the last uh, 15 minutes or so, is posting on Twitter that James Bradbury is not at practice this morning with the Giants. Uh, we cannot oh. confirm that, 
and quite frankly, we'll wait for the practice report when it officially comes out. But because we are on the air with you guys, we don't have the ability to see what's going on. We have to rely on, again, Ryan DeLevy of the New York Post and the other writers who are there saying that Bradbury is not there this morning. That certainly does put a bit of a twist on things. Yes, that's scary. I don't even want to think about that. But, um, but thank no, you I, I wouldn't think that you would. But again, I just think we can beat them with our defense. I think, you know, again, like some of you have said, I don't care if we win by three or 33, but there's no reason that we should be giving up a lot of points to this team. They, they just are too limited. But thanks so much, guys. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving, uh, and, and let's go, John. You too. Uh, you as well, Thank Clay. you. Appreciate the phone call. Keep in mind, Higgins is averaging nearly 15 yards a catch. So even under that hypothetical, if you put Bradbury on Boyd, then you have to have confidence that somebody's going to be able to slow down Higgins at the opposite corner. And remember, that has been somewhat of an Achilles heel at times for the Giants. We've seen good flashes from Ryan Lewis. We've seen good flashes from Isaac Yadam. Haven't necessarily seen consistency in that regard. So you got to be a little bit careful because Higgins is more than capable of going off and making a big play through the air, whether it's Joe Burrow throwing him the ball or somebody else. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by New York Lottery. The New York Lottery has released their seasonal scratch-off games once again. Head to your nearest retailer for the chance to win up to $500,000. Please gift responsibly. All right, let's head back to the lines. Charlie's in Portland, Maine. What's happening, Charlie? Hey, guys. Hey, Paul. Hey. Hi. Happy turkey hey, to you. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to both of you. And uh, to uh, the caller that called just a little while ago, uh, I I feel uh, very sorry for your loss. And uh, you must be going through a hard, really hard time with this, especially this time of year. So all my best to you and your family. And uh, grief is love. Brought to tears, my friend. So uh, take care. Um, I'm glad you enjoy the show. And that's really all I got. And I just want to say uh, happy Thanksgiving to uh, Len out there and his family and all the Giants people out there who listen and hate me or love me or <laughs> don't really care either way. <laughs> happy, ta- happy Thanksgiving. Wow, Charlie, guys. you took you your medication this morning. It's nice to see Be you. Well, Be well, Charlie. <laughs> Be well. All right. Yes. All right, Charlie, happy turkey to you and yours as well. We appreciate you uh, throwing in your two cents. See, when Charlie's name is thrown out in the program, you know his uh, ears are buzzing. So we uh, absolutely had to hear from him. Before we sign off here, real quickly, just another example of how you just don't know how the NFL season is going to play out. The league has announced that there will not be a triple header on Thanksgiving tomorrow. They are now moving the Ravens-Steelers game to Sunday afternoon. They have not issued a time. We don't even know what network it's going to be on because, remember, it was supposed to be an NBC primetime game, but NBC, of course, already has a primetime game with the Bears and the Packers. So that's going to be interesting to see who covers that game, number one, but we're only going to get two games now on Thanksgiving. You're going to have the Texans at the Lions and the Cowboys hosting Washington, and that's it. There is no primetime game on Turkey Day. So, see, things are very fluid across the NFL landscape, which is why everybody's got to be on their toes. You never know what's going to happen. But that is going to do it for us. We appreciate everybody for tuning in. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Stay safe. Stay healthy. There is no show tomorrow. Now, as far as Friday show is concerned, the status of that show is up in the air because there may be some movement around the facility in terms of our technological setup. But we may pre-record a show. We may have one live. Stay tuned, obviously, to all our social media accounts. We'll keep you posted on that front. Paul, always a pleasure going back and forth. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and we will speak to you down the road. Enjoy the turkey, Lance, and try not to eat too much stuffing. 
I will try to stay away from that. Yes, I will keep my plate somewhat filled <laughs> over the course of the day. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It was presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. As a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. Thanks, special thanks to Brian for his assistance. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. Have a good one.